Connects talks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This life science-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing the top pharma TV ad spenders in 2022 and RX Pass, Amazon's new prescription drug program. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Xtalks Life Science Podcast. I'm Aisha Rashid, Senior Life Science Journalist at Xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Sarah Hand and Vera Kovacevich. Thanks for coming today. I'm going to start us off with a story about Amazon's new prescription drug program, which is offering common medications for a flat fee of just $5. So, of course, Amazon is continuing to really aggressively ramp up its healthcare portfolio, and in attempts to do so, it's introduced a new program called RX Pass, and this program was introduced last week. And it involves um, a flat fee of $5 a month. And um, when customers purchase that, they can buy an unlimited amount of commonly prescribed generic medications. Now, RX Pass was launched by Amazon Pharmacy again last Tuesday, and it's available in most U.S. states. It requires an Amazon Prime membership, which in the U.S. is $139 per year. And the drug program is being offered as an add-on to Prime members, again, for $5 a month. And so Prime members will have access to medications through this program um, that treat more than 80 common health conditions, including things like acid reflux, anxiety, and high blood pressure, among others. And the list of available medicines includes about 50 generic drugs. In addition to that, the program also offers 24-7 round-the-clock assistance uh, provided by pharmacists or support staff. Amazon says that customers don't need to use any insurance plan with the RX Pass program. It's just the $5 a month fee that um, Amazon Prime members uh, have to pay as an add-on. So as part of its ongoing healthcare expansion, as I mentioned, Amazon launched Amazon Pharmacy in 2020 and a virtual health clinic called Amazon Clinic in August of last year. Uh, Also last year, it purchased primary care company One Medical in a huge deal worth $3.9 billion um, again in the summer of last year. And before that, uh, Amazon actually acquired online pharmacy retailer PillPack in 2018 for $750 million, and it's currently branded as Amazon PillPack. And that was a very major move because it allowed Amazon to get into the online pharmacy sector and to really innovate and uh, kind of be a pioneer in that Uh, space. So according to John Love, who is the vice president of Amazon Pharmacy, the goal of RX Pass is to offer affordable access to commonly prescribed generic medications. Um, And this could really be game changing because customers uh, will be offered this low price. And so the affordability and the convenience uh, for people uh, and addressing their medical needs will be huge. And um, he was talking about this uh, 
in a statement and in an interview that he gave um, to describe and um, talk about the RX Pass program. He also explained that there haven't been many uh, innovations in the pharmacy experience for customers for decades. Um, you know, for example, he said customers may often be surprised about the pricing of their medications at the point when they're getting them at the pharmacy counter. And so, you know, they have to really be keen on budgeting for their medications, driving over to the pharmacy to pick them up, although delivery um, is available at a lot of pharmacies now. But again, it's it's still kind of an outdated system. And so um, he's saying that, you know, this program through Amazon uh, Pharmacy is uh, really sort of an innovation that um, the company is looking to offer customers and of course the um, with the convenience and affordability built into that um, and he said that it you know it's going to be very valuable for um, people who have especially chronic conditions or people who might need more than one medication they might be on two three four different uh, types of drugs and so RX Pass would allow um, any eligible medications to be available to people for that single uh, very low flat fee of $5 a month. And with the added bonus, of course, that the drugs would be delivered right to their door. So in addition to RX Pass, Amazon also offers a prime prescription savings benefit. And through that, customers can get up to 80% off of generic medications and up to a 40% discount on brand name prescriptions at more than 60,000 participating pharmacies. And um, again, as Amazon Pharmacy's growing uh, steps in the healthcare space and especially in the pharma, uh, pharmacy space here, uh, including RX Pass and its prescription delivery and price comparison site through Amazon PillPack, um, all of these new innovations and endeavors and projects uh, will definitely be cutting into more traditional drugstore giants like CVS and Walgreens, cutting into their business models and really shaking shaking things up essentially and posing a threat so um amazon pharmacy is really uh looking to to innovate and make a dent in this sector um and it's doing so really at um a quick pace and uh through a lot of innovations and new ideas here um, so Amazon's growing healthcare push has seen the company incorporate things like telehealth, drug delivery, fitness trackers, and even cancer research into its portfolio in recent years and uh, partnered with the company to help develop cancer vaccines against uh, things like melanoma. So it's really, really ramping up its healthcare portfolio, which is very interesting to see. And it's made such major moves in the last couple of years. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on this new RX Pass program, specifically from Amazon Pharmacy. And um, what do you think about this flat fee? Um, just $5? Is it too good to be true? Or do you really, or, you know, and how do you think it's going to impact customers and in terms of accessibility? Well, I think this must be like 50 of the cheapest generic drugs that exist, right? That must be covered yeah. under their program because um, I know that generic drugs are much cheaper than brand name drugs. I mean, we all do, but yeah, for it to be worth it for them for a flat mm. fee of $5 a month, I mean, they got to be some really cheap generic drugs. <laughs> Well, you know what? That's funny you should say that, Vera, because that was also my initial reaction to this was, how are they going to make money on right. this? 
Um, but I think that that is the Amazon business model in that um, it doesn't matter to them, at least at first, if something makes money or not. Uh, they have time and time again shown uh, that they can undercut competitors mm. and, um, you know, then either increase the price of, of something later on. I mean, famously, the way they started was becoming an online bookseller and mm -hmm. selling books more cheaply than traditional bookstores um, and really gaining gaining market share from there. And so um, I think maybe it doesn't matter if this becomes a loss leader for Amazon. Uh, I think they have more to gain from um, not making any money on this project, at least at first. I think one of the big hurdles to overcome is having people get comfortable getting medications, prescription medications um, from Amazon. Not that it's it's not possible right now to be ordering drugs online, um, but I think that's one thing that they have to um, get people comfortable with. And I think another thing is uh, just getting consumer health data it would be mm -hmm. worth it to them, even if they're losing money on, on this particular program. Uh, but I agree, Vera, I think they're definitely going to be the, the more cheap generic drugs that are that are cheap to begin with because they're so widely prescribed. Uh, and I can see, um, you know, we'll have to see how many patients adopt this, but I can see this being being big. But one thing I think that they're missing, and I, I know you said, um, or maybe I read it on their press release, they're it's gonna they're gonna have like 24 hour support yeah. i think like phone support i think phone that's support, great yeah. mm -hmm. um but i think one thing they're missing which i'm not sure how valuable this is to people but i can see this being something to consider is that like in-person experience with a pharmacist mm -hmm. i think people maybe in particular of an older generation are used to going into a pharmacy talking to a pharmacist you know maybe if they're on multiple medications talking about management and and um contraindications and things that shouldn't be taken together you know a pharmacist really becomes part of your care team especially when you're not seeing your doctor as often or doctor's visits in-office visits are, you know, really short. Doctors have to get through so many patients in a day. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that's one place they could be, um, they could be at a disadvantage compared to traditional, um, traditional brick and mortar pharmacies. But, but what do you guys think? Yeah, those are really great points. And I think, um, especially I think, yes, for older generations that are used to that, um, pharmacy experience, that in-person experience, I think that could definitely uh, be, you know, something that they're going to be losing out on. And they may not be as comfortable, let's say, picking up a phone and speaking to the pharmacist. Although that is something that I think some people still do. And I think, but, you know, let's say in terms of uh, getting on Zoom and speaking to your pharmacist, um, Amazon also has that virtual care as well. So they're really... Mm. Um, you know, trying to push in all different kinds of areas and to try to really get customers. And, you know, going back to the point about how Amazon builds its its brands, it's all about the name and it's all about getting customers um, acquainted to, to new models. And 
um, that they didn't even know they needed, right? Like, it's kind of like, oh, everyone is getting Amazon Prime memberships. Like, do we really need to have packages in one or two days? But they sell mm-hmm. it to you in a way where it's like, yeah, you do, right? So, well, you get uh, used to that. You frequency get used to and that. anything slower exactly. than that. Feels... You're just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> where is this? Yeah. yeah. So, um, they continue to, yeah, just, I think this is uh, a, a very genius kind of, uh, a very smart uh, program that they've launched. And yeah, in the short term, it may not be making the money, but it's all about that brand. It's all about that name, getting their name out there, getting their, that program, those programs out there. And I think they're really going <laughs> to take this um, and just, uh, just really fly with it. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how consumers in the beginning um, open up to this and warm up to this. Uh, or not, but um, again, like they have such a huge healthcare portfolio right now that continues to grow. So I think it's it's just uh, one of many um, feathers in their cap right now. But uh, it will be interesting to see how customers will react to this because this is different from like getting you know something else off of Amazon. Like these are drugs. Like people are very concerned about um, quality and things like that. So mm-hmm. we we will see. Um, how the response is but yeah all right moving on to our next story and for this uh let's take a look at some of the biggest pharma tv ad spenders of last year so in 2022 it was almost a record-breaking year for the u.s pharma industry in terms of their advertising spending and uh, for the last couple of years the u.s uh, pharma industry has spent well over six six point five billion dollars a year on advertising and last year i think they were on track to i don't think the final numbers are in which i couldn't find but i think they were well on track to hit like about seven billion dollars in advertising um spend. So pharma is the fourth largest spender on TV ads in the country after uh, retail, financial and real estate and the tech industries. And so while billions of dollars continue to be poured into pharma TV ads every year, uh, total spending actually only rose by about 1% in 2022 compared to uh, the previous year. And experts say that this is likely a reflection of changing trends, um, particularly um, the diversion of more spending um, towards digital marketing instead of linear TV advertising. However, uh, so before we get into the list of uh, top 10 pharma TV ad spenders in 2022. I just wanted to um, share some some data and some insights into what the trends are in pharma advertising um, and what we can expect going forward in the coming year and years to come. So um, experts say that the pharma industry, uh, despite you know this huge trend towards digital marketing, uh, pharma still continues to be a bit more hesitant when it comes to completely throwing in the towel for TV ads and um, traditional uh, TV ad marketing. So they say that the industry largely continues to focus on traditional TV ads because it feels there is still a market for them. And this kind of does make sense. For example, older adults, um, which are an important target audience for, for many drugs, still may be tuning into their TV sets and may not be as comfortable using um, digital technologies and being on digital platforms like social media. So according to Media Radar, uh, Linear TV accounted for 70% of pharma ads spent in 2021. 
And that was just down about 5% uh, from the previous year. So still a significant uh, proportion of pharma ad spend is still devoted towards um, TV ads. And so um, Rick Bruner, who's the head of insights and analytics at Standard Media Index, or SMI, said that pharma has really been lagging behind compared to the rest of the advertising industry um, because it's spent, again, more than half of its ad budget on linear TV. Um, and this trend kind of continues and it is slowly uh, changing. But again, this, the change seems to be very, very slow and gradual. So um, in terms of looking now at the top 10 pharma ad spend spenders for 2022, um, the top 10 um, accounted for a total of $1.68 billion in TV ad spend. And that was only up slightly from the $1.61 billion that was spent in 2021, uh, again, across the top 10 uh, spenders. So the top three spots this year belonged to immunology drugs um, for autoimmune conditions like arthritis and eczema. In addition to anti-inflammatories and immunological drugs, um, the list was also dominated by type 2 diabetes drugs, including the uh, social media sensation, dare I say, and celebrity favorite, Azempic, um, <laughs> so which made the top 10 list this year. Um, I'm not sure if uh, it was the TV ad spend that, that made it into what it is. It was obviously that... Uh, the digital component there. But um, so in addition to that, um, you had companies like Sanofi and Regeneron who are actually on track to take the, the top spot for total TV ad spend in 2022 for their um, immunological drug, Dupixent. Um, so by the third quarter, they were actually leading in total TV ad spend. However, um, rival AbbVie actually really amped up its TV campaigns for its arthritis and eczema jack inhibitor uh, Rinvoc in November and December. And so with their aggressive campaigns, they were able to take the top spot for the year in terms of uh, total TV ad spend. So AbbVie spent $315.8 million on TV ads for Rinvoc in 2022, according to ad tracking specialists, uh, iSpot.tv. And again, much of that, so $97 million, was spent in just the last two months of 2022 alone, which is uh, kind of interesting. I wonder if uh, they just had some budget left over for end of the year spend. Um, and this is more than double and even triple what most other companies were spending on their drugs at the same time. So um, also surprisingly, AbbVie's Humira didn't make it into the top 10 this year. And that's probably because it's already established itself as the world's best-selling drug at $20 billion a year in sales. Um, AbbVie was also spending a lot on its other immunology drug, uh, Skyritzy. Um, and then if we look at some other drugs and companies, again, you had Regeneron and Sanofi come in. Uh, right behind um, uh, AbbVie with Dupixent. And then you had uh, Azempic coming in at number four. And again, that is Novo Nordisk's injectable GLP-1 type 2 diabetes drug. And as we've talked about before and covered the, the whole story about Azempic shortages happening because a lot of people 
um, again, through social media, learned that it has a side effect of weight loss. And so a lot of people turn to Zempic um, as a weight loss drug. And so there's a, a bit of controversy around that because now... People, you know, because of the shortages, because of the huge demand, you have type 2 diabetic patients who aren't able to get access to the drug because of the shortages, owing to people using it for, um, you know, secondary uh, indications or for secondary purposes. So that's kind of an ongoing thing happening. And uh, rounding out the list, uh, we have, again, another uh, oral GLP-1 type 2 diabetes drug from Novo Nordisk um, Rebelsis in sixth place. Um, and then Eli Lilly was at seventh place with Trulicity, uh, which is, an, again, another type 2 diabetes drug. So, again, the list is very much dominated by drugs for diabetes and uh, anti-inflammatories. So just wanted to get your thoughts on the Pharma TV ad spend for this year, for last year, I'm sorry, 2022, which was record-breaking. And also, how do you see um, the pharma industry in terms of its hesitancy in turning towards more innovative or newer forms of advertising, such as digital marketing? Well, you know, it was really funny, like the whole time you were talking, I was wondering, like, why have I never seen like a pharma TV ad? Because we're and in Canada. I, <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, New, the US and New Zealand are the only countries yep. um, mm. that are allowed mm. to market prescription Direct drugs to, yeah, to consumer. directly to consumers. I didn't even know that. And I was thinking like, in Canada, I've never seen one. Um, when I've traveled to Europe and watched the TV with my grandparents, like I've never seen one. And now mm. I understand why. And um yeah, well, I think like they, from what I read online, the pharma companies, they still spend more on R&D than on these TV ads, right? And obviously, I think TV ads for these prescription drugs are beneficial because they do show consumers that like new treatments are out there. Even if an ad is not for their condition, maybe they, they'll start wondering, oh, is there a new drug for the condition I do have? So overall, I think it's very beneficial. And I think like pharma companies still have the data to back up to show that these TV ads do make them additional revenue. Otherwise, they wouldn't do them anymore, right? Yeah, Vera, I'm surprised that you haven't seen ads because so much. Well, I, I guess I've seen a lot on of YouTube. us. Okay, okay. I was going to say or, like a lot of US channels don't... we do get. Yeah. yeah, a lot of us don't have enough. cable anymore. anymore. Like we don't yeah. have cable anymore, but so many of our channels here were like U.S.-based mm -hmm. channels, right? Um, that's where I had mostly seen seen ads. Uh, but I, I agree with you, Vera. I think um, these TV spots must be doing something for their sales or else why would they pour so much money into mm -hmm. them? I think to your point, Aisha, I, uh, towards their the industry's overall sort of hesitancy to pour more resources into digital promotions. Um, I've always gotten the sense that it's just harder to be compliant. And I think that um, there's concern among marketers, uh, yeah, around um, regulatory compliance with those types of promotions. So, you know, with a TV ad, as long as you um, make it in a certain way and you have the the small print at the bottom and it says, you know, may cause side effects, including la 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 la. Um, as long as you present it in a balanced way with the, the risks and the benefits of, of that drug and what a patient needs to know, um, you're pretty much set. 
as far as compliance goes and and you send out that ad and it, it's aired and that's kind of it it's it's a very one-sided uh mm. transaction i guess i would say like with the person viewing it but everything digital is so two-sided and yeah, so a lot more engagement you know, yeah. exactly so any sort yeah. of like social media yeah. post has the potential for um comments and things i i think it's just a whole other beast yeah. um and so i think we see pharma companies obviously adopting some of these digital promotional strategies but i i understand their hesitance to go whole hog um in into that area as opposed to spending mm -hmm. the same amount on on tv ads um yeah kind of going to the point of the uh whether or not these ads are appropriate considering there's only you know two countries in the whole world mm -hmm. that that allow direct to consumer marketing of um of prescription drugs i have mixed feelings i i see your point vera in that um it helps with awareness um not only of the drug but potentially also of conditions because a lot of these bigger pharma companies will do um awareness campaigns uh to help people uh, you know, understand new um, conditions maybe that are rising in, in incidents and that sort of thing. Uh, but I also think there's just sort of like a a weirdness to it in that you're saying, you know, talk to your doctor about this particular drug and they want you to bring that drug up mm -hmm. by name with your doctor. And I wonder, you know, how that influences a, a doctor's um, propensity to to prescribe something that a patient is asking for. Uh, I think there's been lots that's been said uh, about this, uh, about the ethics of, of direct-to-consumer advertising, particularly in, in the pharma space, but I'm not sure. I have mixed feelings. Yeah, I think I'm kind of with you on the mixed feelings in terms of uh, yeah, um, advertising directly to consumers in, in this way. I think because um, there's a gap in context and knowledge and in, you mm -hmm. know, in terms of um, patients, for sure, they, they are aware of their health conditions, but from a medical perspective, they don't have that, that background that a physician would have. And of course, that's why they are encouraged to go speak to their physician. And then I just wonder how many, how much time physicians um, are spending on just, you know, fielding questions um, from patients that there's that see these ads on TV. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic there and uh, one that we don't have here in Canada, but uh, yeah, I'm a bit iffy about it as well. Um, you know, patients learning about the next hot drug, you know, from, from mm -hmm. TV or let's say even on social media, which we've seen with Azempic and mm -hmm. uh, all the problems around that. So I think it's a slippery slope there. Um, and I think, you know, even though f coming back to the point about pharma being hesitant about um, going, you know, into digital marketing, I think it's it's an inevitability where, uh, you know, people are sharing things ab about drugs um, online. And we've seen that with with Azempic and what happened there where um, it went viral on TikTok. Right. And mm -hmm. so it's, again, inevitable. And I think pharma companies are going to you know, be looking at things like that happening and, um, and that's directly translated into 
an impact on them, right? In terms of like these shortages, like Novo Nordisk and uh, then you had uh, Eli Lilly trying to come in with Munjara, but it's like, oh, well, you know, they're using the same raw ingredients. And so are they going to ke- be able to keep up with this uh, uh, GLP-1 um, agonist mm. injectable shortage? So it's been mm-hmm. just kind of crazy to see it play out like that. And I'm afraid we might be seeing more of this um, in the future and, and how pharma companies are going to be contending with this. Like they're, you know, they're being inadvertently pulled into the digital space um, through... Uh, happenings like this. So it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that going forward. Yeah, I think you're right, Aisha. It's inevitable. Uh, And, you know, even if the FDA turned around tomorrow and said, nope, no more DTC ads on TV. Right. I mean, it's not like people would learn about these drugs (laughs) online. online. And and of course, people should have access to that information. But um, yeah, I wonder like what effect that would really have on on their bottom line, you know, of the pharma companies, um, or if they would just sort of transition that ad spend to, you know, digital, if that if that were the case. but you're right. I mean, people find out about things. Uh, you know, I think doctors have a lot to deal with in general with people um, Googling, you know, yeah. my stomach hurts. Like, what could that be? And then they come into the office and they're like, I think I have an ulcer or whatever. <laughs> I mean, and that's not a new thing either. Um, but it's, you know, in the case of something like Ozempic, it seems like it should be sort of a really good thing for uh, for what what company was it that makes Novo Nordisk for yeah, yeah for Novo you would, uh, yeah, Nordisk thanks, right initially because of it the was. increase in sales yeah, yeah right sure. but but then with the the shortage like mm-hmm. I I really wonder um, how how hard it is for them to control the messaging now that there are these things that just go viral overnight yeah. on, on social media and, and things like TikTok. Um, whereas before, I'm not sure there were the same mm-hmm. types of, you know, spikes in, right. in popularity Demand, of yeah. particularly um, prescription drugs, right? right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you, you would hear about shortages and you do, you know, based on mm-hmm. things like, you know, um, issues in manufacturing or in supply chain and things like that, but never like consumer demand for a drug mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. I think it's like unprecedented. And so mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's been eye opening to see. Yeah. And so this is the, in that case too, they're just relying on, um, physicians like prescribing and off label. Right. I think that's like a whole other conversation. That's like, exactly. Yeah. It's not approved as a weight loss drug. It yeah. is a diabetes yeah. drug, but, but physicians can are, be, yeah, prescribed are prescribing off-label. it off, off label. And be, I, yeah. so that's a whole other yeah. thing. This, this idea of off label prescriptions, um, that I'm sure we don't have time to get into today, mm-hmm. but I think that's another topic that's, yep. that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's hard for the, the, drug maker to anticipate demand for right if if it's going to start you never to know what's going to be the next viral sensation so. yeah. yeah 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 interesting yeah all right thank you all for those uh, great insights so that's the end of this episode of the x talks the life science podcast if you liked today's show don't forget to rate review and subscribe thanks everyone and see you next week bye 
Thanks for listening to the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.